When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Hi everybody, this is the Cricket Badger Radio Show Podcast. Each badger marks the track with its own scent. His black legs are short but very powerful for digging. In fact, the name badger probably comes from the French word beche, meaning digger. It's that badger style. Hi everybody, Happy New Year from the Cricket Badger. Welcome to another edition of the Cricket Badger Radio Show Podcast. And this week, going to be joined by Ed Hawkins, the cricket journalist who has had so much to do with trying to expose the match-fixing scandals over the last decade or so in cricket. I'll start the interview by telling Ed that I was thinking about Al Jazeera and their TV documentary over Christmas, and I genuinely was. I found myself, as a cricket lover, sitting thinking, all of the ammunition... All of the doubt, all of the shadows and corruption and nastiness that was raised in that documentary just seems to have subsided now. The initial furore, the denials, cricket bodies saying that it was ludicrous. But there was a lot in that documentary that just can't be ignored. So I thought, let's have a chat with Ed and let's talk about everything to do with the Al Jazeera documentary. Ed's involvement in trying to uncover match fixing and how can we keep cricket clean? Is it actually possible to do so? It's that badger style. Ed, I was sat over Christmas and I was sitting thinking about the Al Jazeera documentary and all of the many claims that were made in that in terms of fixing and, and people's involvement in that. And it does seem to have gone a little bit quiet in the interim. We saw the programme, there was a lot of chat off the back of that programme and then not much in the last few weeks. I'm a little bit concerned by that because cricket should be taking this seriously, shouldn't they? Well, they should be. And I guess from the silence, we can go one of two ways. We can think that the ICC are working hard and diligently on trying to come up with an answer about what's going on or they're not um and it's difficult to know what really is going on because there will never there will never be any official comment and we've also got this um standoff 
I guess, which could be at the root of uh, the issue and why we're not hearing anything between Al Jazeera and ICC about some of the evidence and data involved in the documentary. The ICC want Al Jazeera to hand over everything that they've got and Al Jazeera are, let's say, nervous about doing that because they essentially are saying that the ICC are are also under investigation because of some of the things that their documentaries threw up. So that's possibly the reason why we haven't heard anything. Is the implication from that that somebody on the inside of the ICC is involved at some level in this and therefore might cover it up if they got the chance to? Well, I think the problem is that the ICC were made aware of Manawa, who is the guy at the centre of all the allegations, many years ago, uh, 2010, 2011, and they didn't do anything about it. So that is Al Jazeera's point about handing over evidence. They're, They're going to be saying, well, you knew about him then all those years ago and you didn't do anything and he was still pictured next to players, idling up to people in in bars and hotel lobbies, apparently trying to curry favour. When the ICC knew about him and he was still free and able to roam among players, presumably to try to corrupt them. Now, you've got to, you have to ask the question, if the ICC anti-corruption unit was doing its job, why was he allowed to still be, to still be there interacting with players? considering the information they had about him previously. So it's an interesting point about being photographed with players. So I was out in Abu Dhabi in October and I was uh, speaking to Mahela J. Wardner in a hotel lobby and a, a number of fans came up to him and asked for his photo to be taken. And I asked him afterwards, you know, is, is, they get bored of that, you know, having that all the time. And he said, I, I just have to make a very conscious decision of where I have my picture taken with people because, you know, if you, if you have, have it in a situation where you don't have too many people around you in the background, it can look quite... Yeah, potentially come back to bite you. So, I mean, there are times, aren't there, where people have pictures taken with people and it is completely innocent. So, that, and that, that, I guess, is one of the things with that program, isn't it? If you go through it step by step, there were so many factors there, so many um, elements, which I found it quite hard to argue against. It seems in the, it, off the back of that program, a lot of people were saying, well, that's circumstantial. Can you prove that? Many question marks off the back of that program, as well as potential answers. Sure. And there are always going to be question marks about any kind of match fixing investigation these days, because it is, frankly, impossible to prove. Um, there's no paper trail leading to bank accounts. And if there is, the player involved or the person paying him is extremely stupid. You know, it's all it's all um, soft assets, cars, yachts, whatever and things are untraceable. So you're never going to gonna have that proof of a money exchange from your match fixer to your player, or, or as I said, you shouldn't. What I always come back to with Manawa is that Indian intelligence agencies have confirmed to Al Jazeera that he is a D-company operative. Now, D-company is the huge and most one of the most feared mafia organisations organization the world has ever seen. Um, it runs in India, Pakistan, and out of Dubai and Abu Dhabi. And Indian intelligence confirmed that he is he works for them. And that's what I kind of always come back to when talking about Al Jazeera is that he is a known operative of D Company, and that's why it should really be taken seriously. There's a lot of stuff on that program, Ed, wasn't there? Where yeah, it was the Manara as well, who who was in it all the way through. And I think a few people after the program came out and said, "Well, we." We were appointed by the TV crew to come out and do and play these parts, which you find very hard to believe um, off the back of what you saw them saying and what you saw them discussing. But he was 
pictured with a lot of people and a lot of people that you know, I knew of, you know, former players and, and who were talking very openly on, on hidden camera um, about their involvement in this. That, that phrase, there's no smoke without fire, this, this was ablaze, wasn't it? There was, there was so much stuff there that you, you have to take it seriously. Yeah, you have to take it seriously. And that's what I find frustrating, that it's just brushed under the carpet or there is an insecurity within the game that means that when something like this comes out people t- people in, inside the sport they they take offense it's it's almost they feel under person they've been personally attacked and that's because they love the sport so much it's a bit like someone knocking on your door and and when you answer it them them telling you that your your partner's been cheating on you because that's how much they they love the sport that they're involved in it's like it's their first love and they're loyal to that love but a lot of the a lot of the response has almost been trumpian um it's it's been called fake news a lot of people have said oh well you're not naming people it's it's unsourced material and it's funny how in in this in this era of um, political crisis in this country and um, across the pond, that that kind of reaction has filtered through into cricket. That's one of the things I found absolutely fascinating about it is the sort of the Trump and the Brexit um, crisis has given rise to these excuses, if you like. It's interesting you say that about loving cricket because I mean I'd, I'd certainly class myself in that category. I, I love cricket and have done since I was very 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 young indeed. I would imagine that you're the same. So we, we obviously are worried about this and we, we're taking it seriously, yet you get the impression, I think, a little bit at times that some of the broadcast outlets and what have you that were covering this when it was broken, because it wasn't them that had broken it, were also a little bit reluctant to give it too much airplay as well, because it was Al Jazeera. They could therefore say, well, yeah, this is just a, a Timpot organisation who have brought all of this to to the forefront. But it's, it's, it's far more than that. that. That was a very good documentary and very... I, I, I saw you... Um, on the documentary, studiously looking at your pictures and what have you. And I'm sure you saw a few things that were not actually broadcast ultimately as well. But yeah, the upshot is if myself and you you got together to do this documentary, we wouldn't mention names and you wouldn't go too far into the nitty gritty of it for fear of um, potential retribution and the legal aspects, would you? Yes, it's the legal issues that that, that have meant that they've not named players. And also because uh, when you're talking about a bracket fix... It's and you've got two players at the crease. You don't know. You don't know the, the genesis of um, of the of the fix. Although we know that Manawa has has said this is going to happen. You don't know where those orders are coming from. Are they coming from? One of the players in the middle at the time, are they coming from a player who has already been out? Is it coming from a coach? Is it coming from an administrator? Does the player even know he's involved in match fixing? You know, a, a, a message could come on um, from the 12th man and it might be relayed to those two batsmen. Don't do this. Don't make, make sure you don't score any runs. And then they do it. That doesn't mean they're they're involved in match fixing. That could, they're just following team orders. So there are huge complications on the legal side of things. But I mean, I would say it is it is possible probably to work out who some of these players are. And if those players feel that um, their reputation has been damaged, it, it is possible for them to sue Al Jazeera still. They could they could still sue here and now because all they would have to prove is that their reputation has been damaged in in the minds of the right thinking individual. Discover one of the most beautiful lifestyle resorts in the Caribbean at the Accra Beach Hotel and Spa. Located on the south coast of Barbados, this 
beachfront property offers 224 rooms, sparkling pools, four restaurants, three bars, an on-site spa, event and conferencing facilities, and a welcoming team providing unparalleled relaxation to make your stay a memorable one. What are you waiting for? Book your reservation at this award-winning hotel today and experience the Caribbean dream. A couple of friends of mine, Ed, on, on social media were saying, how, how can you do X, Y, Z? You know, the, the fact that the, the final over of a session under 1.5 runs, various other things, all these signals and things that were supposedly being made. They were trying to blow holes in that. But I think what you've just said there, there were so many different factors and so many unknowns in all of this that it's hard for somebody to actually comprehend how that fix could happen, isn't it? But if it was easy, it would be obvious to discover, wouldn't it? Yeah, it would be. You're absolutely right. And I think with match fixing, one of the mistakes people make is that they think it's a it's a sure thing, and it's and that's not often what it's about. As you know, gambling is always about just finding that edge, that um, that piece of information which gives you an advantage over the bookmaker. And and if you've got that um, in the context of match fixing or injury news or pitch news, that's all you need to make a value bet. If you're doing brackets fixing and you think you've got an agreement with players and you're going to go you're going to go all in you're going to go very very heavy but there's no guarantee it's going to come off and that's what i think people misunderstand it's not a it's not a 100 percent done deal but the odds are heavily weighted in your favor aren't they because you've got various factors involved in that playing for you that's it and that's what they're paying for they're paying for the 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 belief that they've got people on the inside doing their work for them and it doesn't always come off but it's it there are lots of outside factors which could could derail that but that doesn't really matter because they still think they've got that advantage or that extra information over the people who are taking bets you were shown on the program Ed, as watching the some of the footage um from the program obviously reacting to that to the Al Jazeera guys what were your thoughts when you when you first sat down you, you first started seeing that footage was it this is obvious this is was it a heart in mouth moment a, a sort of sinking heart moment it's not obvious no because i always think now if this was in a court of law if this would actually came to court would would how would a how would a player who had been accused be able to um i don't want to say wriggle out of it but uh, another phrase can't, can't doesn't isn't coming to my head at the moment in terms of the state of the game or you know the way he's playing the technical way that he's playing and it would be very very easy for a, a raft of, of witnesses to be called for him for ex players or current players to say yeah i can see why he's doing that um and this is one of the the issues about how you prove match fixing. A good example of that is the the final over before lunch, isn't it? Where the under one point five can't remember the, the phrase they use for it, but the under one point five bet of uh, under one point five runs per over. You just stand up in court, put your hand on the bible, and say, "Well, I was playing for lunch, Your Honour." Yeah, and you and you and you get a hundred people involved in the game would say, "Yeah, well, that makes sense." Um, we go back to the Chris Cairns, uh, the two trials involving. Chris Cairns and you had um, certainly in the second one you had Brendan McCullum, um, international cricketer of repute, captain of New Zealand who, who took to the stand to accuse Cairns and say this is what happened and that wasn't enough Yeah, you know? and it's just impossible, to, it's just impossible to, to prove unless you have a news of the world style sting going back to the Pakistan laws test where you've got players 
on camera giving such specific instructions as a no ball off a certain ball of a certain over and that it's that you've got people bound to rights but there are even problems with that news of the world investigation but we probably don't have time to go into that now because you know you can't bet on a no ball so whether that's match fixing or not that's a that's for as a, a discussion for another day the world we live in now we do move on very quickly don't we um, Manchester City all over the back pages this morning we seem to have a, a kind of week or two where this was talked about ad infinitum and then all of a sudden next thing comes up and, and this is this is forgotten about almost now do you, that's quite dangerous for cricket isn't it if, if, if they are in that scenario where they're trying to move on hoping nobody ever mentions this again it's a very complacent very dangerous way to be isn't it in the game yeah it is it's very, it's very dangerous and that's the nature of the, the news cycle, I guess, and everyone's obsessed with one topic until some another topic comes comes along to be obsessed about. It's a, it's a really interesting point you make because the Al Jazeera documentary was, of course, the second one, and the first one has all been almost completely forgotten and got a similar response. It was it, people tried to discredit it, and you you mentioned Al Jazeera being you know tin pot, and some people didn't want to cover it, and there is certainly some snobbery going on there among among journalists but it's been forgotten actually that one of the people in the first documentary has been charged by the ICC um, on behalf of the Emirates Cricket Board the Sri Lankan Dilhara Lokateji when we talk about the documentary being rubbished at the zenith of of the coverage and it comes out a couple of weeks later that someone has actually been charged by um, the ICC following the Al Jazeera investigation it gets completely lost no one's Mm. mentioned no one's mentioned that charge sheet in connection with the first Al Jazeera investigation. So you're absolutely right. It, it seems to me it would be, it'd be almost harder to fabricate a programme like that than it would be to to record fact, if you if you see what I mean. There's an awful lot of work gone into that programme for it to be completely rubbish. What, what, where do you see it going now? What I mean... As I say, I've not heard anybody talking about it for, for weeks on end now. Christmas has gone. We're into 2019. The summer months aren't too far away. Is this going to come back again or do you, how do you see it moving forward? I would imagine that if in, a, in a few weeks, few months, ICC will release a statement saying they found no evidence of any wrongdoing, wrongdoing from the second Al Jazeera, Al Jazeera investigation. That's what I imagine will happen. And then, and then for a few, you know, for a couple of days, um, cricket will congratulate itself in, you know, an orgy of self-interest and insecurity, and that'll be the end of it until the next one comes along. And and it's important to understand that how investigations work. Al Jazeera just didn't get up on the, on a Monday morning and decide to investigate cricket. They get they get a source, they get a tip off or what have you, and then they do groundwork to discover whether it's worth persevering with that line of inquiry as a possible investigation. And then from there they have to they have to have prima facie evidence to even start a full scale investigation. So before you even press the red button on your recorder to go on an investigation, you have to do an enormous amount of leg legwork. Mm. And prove to lawyers that it's it's worthy of the company spending money on it. So this fantasy that it's it's just a it's a hatchet job by some journalists with an axe to grind is uh, is incredible. Um, the 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 amount of work it it takes to get to the point of pushing the button on an investigation is extraordinary. And I just don't understand arguments about you know fake news or or it being some sort of hatchet job on the ICC. It, that doesn't doesn't make sense to me.
We know it. You're sat at home. You're in your car. You're on the train. You're dying to have a comment on something said on the Cricket Budget Radio Show podcast. Well, you can through Sound Branch. Soundbranch.com where you can leave comments to be played out on the show next week. Just go to soundbranch.com, search Cricket Badger. You'll see the branches of conversation evolving on there. Leave your response, and if we like it, or even if we don't like it, it could well be on the Cricket Badger Radio Show podcast next week. In, in a way, we've got people in cricket who make their living out of cricket, love the game, no no doubt about that, but who are very fearful that if something like this is true, it devalues them as well as the sport. So therefore, the, the, yeah, the, the gut reaction is to think, oh, I hope this goes away. If big time players are found to be involved, then it, the knock on effect in terms of sponsorship deals, um, TV deals, maybe maybe it, it would feel filter down to ticket sales eventually, although that's a much, much smaller piece of the pie. Um, that's all significant. And, you know, it goes back to the analogy about someone knocking on your door saying you, your partner's cheated. People don't want it to be true. And if you don't want something to be true, then I don't think a governing body is really going to investigate with with the required uh, zeal for the, for the good of the game i think yeah. the prob- i think that's one of the problems al jazeera have got i think they were extremely surprised by the response from the icc who basically rubbished the allegations um, in in quite a in quite a subtle and clever way um, their media management of the situation was 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 quite good the icc but i just don't see how you're going to get a, a a proper investigation by a governing body who've already decided what the outcome's going to be from the from the statements they've made you're a journalist ed who has written a book about this you've obviously been quite heavily you i've heard you on a number of different things talking about the al jazeera situation do, do you find yourself coming up against people in cricket who are saying what on earth are you playing at yeah i think ludicrously i think people think that i'm i need the cricket to be <laughs> cricket to be corrupt to sort of earn, earn a living but you know it's the complete opposite i need it to be clean to earn a living because of the because of the actual work i do with with, with gambling you know if people lose faith in betting on on the sport then i'm not gonna be in bread and water for much much longer but i don't i certainly don't understand uh people who criticize or or fire barbs at people who are are just trying to hold the game to account that makes no sense to me either because it needs to be i mean we don't want to see cricket and it in some people's view uh, i've got friends who are not cricket fans who say well that, that'll have been fixed that'll have been fixed we don't want to see cricket like the tour de france do we um where pretty much every single tour de france over the last 15 years is in question in some way because of the the drugs and, and what have you that were involved in it we yeah. don't want every single test match to be questioned we want the game to be played properly yeah, and I suppose that might well be one of the reasons why the ICC and all their supporters are so so keen to brush this under the carpet. Because you you could argue now that the the Tour de France is is tainted badly because of the Lance Armstrong uh, situation. We you know cycling is probably ahead 
um, of cricket in terms of the way it's been dealing with corruption. Um, and cricket is still in denial about it. And pre-Lance Armstrong, when people, when David Walsh, for example, the Sunday Times journalist was going after him, he was, David Walsh was the, was the, was the big bad wolf and he was criticised for people making, making spurious allegations and, and, and saying he was tarnishing the sports name um, unfairly. But in the end, he was right. And the result has, has been that we're now questioning every single Tour de France. I've so, seen the press conference where Lance Armstrong pretty much laughed at him in a press conference when he asked a question hinting that, uh, you know, are, are you clean kind of stuff. So Yeah, yeah. And you imagine the abuse that David Walsh got for that and how he's ostracised by the press corps. And it, you know, it's extraordinary that he kept going, really. And cricket doesn't really cricket doesn't really have a a, a David Walsh, I suppose, um, and maybe that's maybe that's the problem. We're offering you the opportunity to play your part in the growth of the Cricket Badger Radio Show podcast. We have quite literally gone through the roof in terms of listeners over the last year, and there's an opportunity for you to get your business in front of the cricket world by sponsoring or advertising on the Cricket Badger Radio Show podcast. We're giving away headline sponsorship and also a maximum of four adverts per week. Get yourself on the Cricket Badger Radio Show podcast. Get yourself in front of our fantastic listeners and help the podcast continue to grow we've had some fantastic guests over the last year i've lost count of the number of test caps and captains that we've had some great stories too and you could be alongside those big names offering your services to the cricket world get in touch cricketbadger at hotmail.com or telephone james on 077-999-64812 to grab this with both hands don't let it drop through your fingers We're heading into the 20... Well, we're into 2019. India down in Australia, a full season ahead of us. Um, match fixing is still there, and it should be because we should be questioning it. But I'm sure you're looking forward to watching some good cricket as well. Yeah, I'm looking forward to the to the ODI series between Australia and India, particularly after Australia named their squad today um, and decided to leave out all their best players. Uh, <laughs> they could get a, 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 a even bigger beating in in the ODI stuff than than their Test matches. But you know, I fear a prohibitive prices about India, such as the such as the dearth of talent in the Australia ODI squad. I think leaving out their yeah Mitchell Stark. Josh Hazelwood and, and, and Pat Cummins and then completely revamping their batting. You know, India are a better ODI side than a, than a test team, I think. So they could win that 3-0, I think. But So that will be good. And then, of course, the IPL will come up very, very fast. And that's always that's always interesting and chaotic and, and questionable, of course. We always have concerns about the IPL, but that's the nature of the beast. See, what you said about Australia, though, it seems Australia, after all of the different things that have happened over the last few months, they don't seem to know quite what to do about their crickets at the moment, which has got to bode well for, for England with the summer's ashes coming up. Yeah, they've kind of lost their mojo, haven't they? They don't know, they don't know quite how to behave on, on a cricket field anymore, Australia. And I think they, they want to, Australian teams want to rage against the dying of the light all the time and, and they want to be in people's faces. And the fact that their, their, their behaviour has been questioned to such an extent that, that they're afraid of showing any aggression they're afraid of taking the handbrake off and they're playing they're playing cautiously and of course their batting has no confidence and as soon as they lose lose a toss 
they know they're going to be batting on fourth innings with with um, the ball doing far more than it would in the first or second, and and they know they're in they know they're in trouble, and they just don't have the faith in their game. Um, and I think certainly from the last Test match. Um, some techniques were exposed by Jasprit Bumrah, which is, is is going to excite the likes of Anderson and and Broad if he's if he's still around for the summer. So it, it's it's looking very likely that England will win win the Ashes. That'd be, the be Ashes. a rather nice summer and the World Cup, obviously as well. England joint favourites with the World Cup. Yeah, you're a betting man like myself. Where would your money be won? That can you see England winning the World Cup in their their first fifty over global tournament? Yeah, I think England are a great side and their journey from absolute no hopers into uh, the powerhouse has been incredibly short um, in, in ODI cricket. And it's a really amazing story. I'm generally loath to get with favourites. I can, you know, I can see a couple of reasons that England might not be um, great value. I'm not sure whether if they get stuck on a dicky tacky wicket against spinners, um, which of course derailed them against Pakistan in the Champions Trophy um, a couple of years ago, whether, whether they're going to be a decent bet. That, that's the worry, isn't it? You still feel there's one of those days in them. Yeah, of course. And you, you know what? In fact, one of those days in them is in, in is in the semi-final or a final. I think it's difficult to see past India really being the, the major force to challenge them. Lots of other teams have got problems all over the place. Australia have got have got no chance. South Africa, we know all about, and they've still not replacing Callis as an all-rounder and batting hasn't got any depth. New Zealand are always the bridesmaid. Pakistan, great T20 side but can't replicate it in ODI. It's between England and India. So far, on the at cricket underscore Badger Twitter feed, we've found Imran Khan to be the greatest ever Pakistan cricketer, Ian Botham, the greatest ever England cricketer, and Gary Sobers was the greatest ever West Indies cricketer. Don Bradman won that award for Australia. At the moment, we're coming to the latter stages of finding out who is the greatest Indian cricketer ever. Follow at cricket underscore Badger. Have your say on the votes as that competition draws to a close. But be ready, because we're turning our attentions very soon to New Zealand. Who was the greatest ever Kiwi player? Can I just ask you one question um, before I let you go out about going back to the match fixing stuff in, in, in terms of your your own position in this? You, know, you mentioned D Company. Yeah, th- these are guys that are not the nicest fellows in the world, are they? There's a lot of money riding on what they're doing. Do you, do you ever feel under threat because you're at times the lone voice trying to maybe argue against them? Well, I don't think so because they all know as well as I do that it's, it's impossible to prove. There's going to be no paper trail, and the people who are the top top players who are involved in this are well protected by the company uh, politicians in India um, and the establishment. So yeah, it's, it's it's very very difficult to get close to. And you've also got to remember that the the amount of money involved in gambling in India means that it's an, an impossible problem to solve. These are huge sums of money involved. And, and, and when you're talking about you know, hundreds of billions of dollars a, a year, it doesn't take much to get, get tempted into doing something nefarious, whether you're a player or administrator, with the threat of being caught so small. But the most significant the most significant factor in match fixing is, is, is who runs it, and that is D Company. And D Company runs all kinds of operations from you know drug running arms smuggling people trafficking basically if there's anything nasty going on 
out there, they're behind it. Terrorism is is, is one of their number ones, and India and Pakistan are almost they're, like they're on a war footing because of of what D Company get up to. India would like to bring Dawood Ibrahim to justice, but they they can't do that because he's hiding in in Pakistan, and to go after him would unstable the whole region. And it's a geopolitical situation rather than a a cricketing situation. India can't hold D Company to account for anything. So how can the ICC hold D Company to account for matrixing? It's impossible. You, you listed a whole raft of crimes there. In, in terms of cricket's position in D Company's portfolio, if that's the right phrase, it, uh, it would strike me it's probably not their, their priority, from what you've just said. No, it's not. It's, it's, a, it's a very small piece of the pie for them. They're, um, yeah, David Ibrahim is formerly on the FBI most wanted list because of terrorism. They're, but they were behind the Mumbai bombings. You go, you go to India, and anything goes wrong in India, D Company get blamed for it. There's, um, it's, uh, yeah, it's, a, it's a crazy situation. But it's if in, if the Indian, I would say, if the Indian government can't do anything about David Ibrahim, the ICC can't do anything about his involvement in matrixing because they don't have they just don't have the power to do so even if they wanted to even if they if they even had the mental capacity um, manpower to do anything about it they wouldn't be able to because when they're about to push the button on it somebody in india high up in the in the political establishment would say hang on a second what are you doing you can't do that you're going to destabilize the whole region yeah d company is, un is untouchable and if, if D Company is untouchable, then matrixing cricket is, is untouchable as well because of, the, because of the people who are protecting them. So I always like to finish an interview on a high. <laughs> the, um, <laughs> Ed Hawkins, thank you very much for joining me this week. No worries, James. It's that Badger style. Thank you very much to Ed Hawkins this week. I found that chat worrying. A bit scary, but also very informative as well. And uh, one man that knows what he's talking about in that area is Ed Hawkins. So pleasure to have him on the pod. And hopefully we'll get him back again at some stage in the future. Thank you very much, everybody, for listening. And remember, you'll have picked it up throughout this podcast. But if you uh, want to leave a message that could be played out in next week's podcast, then we are now involved with Sound Branch. Details are in the advert to follow. But if you leave a response to the questions that we pose on Sound Branch, you can hear yourself on the pod next week. Until then, Badgers, have a very good week and enjoy your cricket. We know it. You're sat at home. You're in your car. You're on the train. You're dying to have a comment on something said on the Cricket Budget Radio Show podcast. Well, you can through Sound Branch. Soundbranch.com where you can leave comments to be played out on the show next week. Just go to soundbranch.com, search Cricket Badger. You'll see the branches of conversation evolving on there. Leave your response, and if we like it, or even if we don't like it, it could well be on the Cricket Badger radio show podcast next week. Sports Social Podcast Network.